Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage today comes from Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. Listen to what God is saying to you. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who is leaving on a trip. He called his servants and handed his possessions over to them. To one he gave five valuable coins, and to another he gave two, and to another he gave one. He gave to each servant according to that servant's ability. Then he left on his journey. After the man left, the servant who had five valuable coins took them, went to work doing business with them. He gained five more. In the same way, the one who had two valuable coins gained two more. But the servant who had received the one valuable coin dug a hole in the ground and buried his master's money. Now, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. He said, uh, the one who had received five coins came forward with five additional coins. He said, Master, you gave me five valuable coins. Look, I've gained five more. His master replied, Excellent. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will put you in charge of much. Come celebrate with me. The second servant also came forward and said, Master, you gave, me two vo- you gave me two valuable coins. Look, I've gained two more. His master replied, Well done. You are a good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will put you in charge of much. Come celebrate with me. Now the one who had received one valuable coin came and said, Master, I knew that you are a hard man. You harvest grain where you haven't sown. You, gr- you gather crops where you haven't spread seed. So I was afraid, and I hid my valuable coin in the ground. Here, you have what's yours. His master replied, You evil and lazy servant. You knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown, that I gather crops where I, I haven't spread seed. In that case, you should have turned my money over to the banker so that when I return, you could give me what belonged to me with interest. Therefore, take from him the valuable coin and give it to the one who has ten coins. Those who have much will receive more, for they have more than they need. But as for those who don't have much, even the little bit they have will be taken away from them. Now take this worthless servant and throw him out into the, outside into the darkness. May God add a blessing to the hearing and receiving of this word. Morning, everyone. My name is Emily McKinley, and I have the great joy of serving as the pastor uh, here um, at Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn, um, with all those who you've seen up front, and many people that you don't um, ever really see up front, but who help us do what we do and be who we are. So um, we don't do this alone, we do this together. Um, Why don't we begin with a word of prayer? God, we are grateful for the gift that it is to gather on days like these um, as we Uh, lean into a a time of um, thanksgiving as we face the prospect of of meals shared at tables that maybe feel very welcoming and sometimes other times uh, for some of us might feel fraught. Um, And yet uh, we know that you do some of your best work around tables. And so we trust in that and we ask that um, 
uh, as we lean into what your scripture has to say to us today, that we would um, open our hearts and minds um, to what it is that you are trying to do within us and through us um, for the sake of your work in this world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Last week I was listening to a podcast um, called, I know last time I also talked about podcasts, but um, I do listen to them a lot, but I don't always talk about them. Anyway, I was listening to this podcast uh, called The Bible for Normal People. Um, When I happened to hear a church planting friend of mine um, named Kevin Makins share about his congregation in Ontario. Now, while Eucharist Church, his church, uh, is different from UBC in some ways, we share a kind of similar vision. Uh, like us, they're about creating spaces for, so that folks can authentically bring their whole selves uh, to better understand who God is and, and who they can be together. Um, and some of these people are completely new to Christianity, while others bring in a lot of history and, along with that history, a lot of baggage um, into the community. And on the podcast, Kevin shares this story um, that really illustrates when this, uh, 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 this dynamic at work and how the community can learn from one another. So I had a a small small group at our house, and a woman in our church was talking about the hang-ups that she has about God and about faith. She was raised, you know, really conservative, reformed tradition. And she said, I have a hard time thinking about the gospel, because when someone says gospel, I think of this horrible stuff. (laughs) We had this guy in the group who was a brand new Christian, never been to church before, you know, uh, became a follower of Jesus in our community. And he said to her, well, what do you think of when you hear the word gospel and you hear good news? And she goes, well, you know, I hear that God hates all of us who are sinning so much that he was going to throw us into a fiery pit for all of eternity, but instead he murdered his own son so that he didn't have to murder us. And everybody in the room that was raised in the church was nodding, and my friend who wasn't raised in church started laughing out loud. And he was just laughing. He was like, that is the most crap good news I've ever heard. <laughs> and, and so they ended up in this brilliant beautiful conversation where he was saying, that's not the good. The good news is that God loves us. The good news is that Jesus shows us how to be human. The good news is that God is restoring all things in in this age and the age to come. And he's doing that through peacemaking. Like he just lay out this gorgeous presentation of the good news. And she said, that's what I believe. But my first impulse is still wired from the way that it was handed to me, the baggage that I carry. Now, how many of us can identify with the woman who grew up that, with that first version of God? Any of us? A few of us? And how many of us can identify with the, the, kind of the newer Christian's version? Okay, it's about evenly split, and then there are some abstentions here. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's these two polar opposite depictions of God, right? It's really striking. And probably most of us, many of us, have heard these two different versions, I'd, I'd guess. Now, last week, if you were here, you heard me talk about how fear, um, uh, talk, talk about fear, fear and how it can prevent us from earning all that we can, how it can hold us back from fully exercising the gifts that God has given to us. And today, I'm going to focus again on the third servant um, and how, how differently they understood the master compared to the first two servants. Now, the first two servants made their reports uh, without much in the way of commentary, but that third servant had quite a bit to say, right? Master, I know that you're a hard man, that you harvest grain where you ha- haven't sown, you gather crops where you haven't spread seed. And so which version is correct, right? The harsh and greedy master um, or is... the empowering and just master who rewards his workers um, duly. Why is the third servant's interpretation of the master so negative compared to the other two? 
Well, fear is definitely in there, but there's something else, I think. The first two servants, I, I think they understood their work as being part of something much bigger. They weren't there just to make more money for their master. I think they were also to build something that at some level, in some way, they felt like they were a part of. I mean, when they reported out, the master didn't say like, okay, go out there and do it again. No, he doubled their money and said, let's celebrate. But that third servant, there's no vision, no sense of being part of something bigger. In fact, if there was any vision, it was a sense that the world was against them, that they owed their master nothing more than what they'd been given in the first place. And in the end, they were actually kind of a drag on the whole thing. And it's this part, I think, that gets the master really riled up. Okay, so you knew that I harvest grain where I haven't sown and that I gather crops where I haven't spread seed. You knew that I was greedy and harsh. Okay, well then why didn't you at least put it into a bank to earn interest, right? Instead, you sat on my money. No, you sat on my investment in you. You wasted my time. You wasted your time. Instead of trying anything, you did nothing. What motivates us to contribute, to add our efforts? Now, the first two servants knew that the wealth they were creating wasn't just going to be for them. They knew that they would be handing it over to the master. So why did they apply themselves so thoroughly? Why, did, why do any of us, right? Or in this season of financial stewardship, as you've heard a few times now, um, inviting folks to not only uh, think about making a fi faithful financial commitment to help us keep growing, but also to help you think deeply about why you give and how you give. And so why not hear from one of our own, right? When I think of folks who give to UVC with generosity and with joy, one of the people, one of the many people that comes to mind for me is Vania. Uh, many of you know Vania Das. Vania has been part of um, Hyde Park Woodland for a few years now and has contributed to this community in so many ways. And so as we think about this idea of giving to something bigger than ourselves, I thought it'd be great to hear from, from someone like her um, to share her perspective um, about what it is that motivates her. Um, and some of you may know that Vania uh, comes to UVC um, with her, her daughter Nissa, and um, you may not have heard the fact that um, Vania uh, and Nissa decided to come to UVC because they were looking for a church. Vania was committed to finding a church that Nissa wanted to be at. And um, when, when Nissa came, there were no people her age, um, lots, but lots of little people. Um, and uh, she kind of came here and she said, this is a place I could see myself. This is a place I want to be. Um, so thanks for coming up here, Vania. Um, and why don't, you, why don't you share a little bit about um, why you why you guys decided to stay, what, what made you decide to get involved, and, um, and how you start, first started to give back. Um, well, as Emily said, um, Nissa and I did go to a bunch of different churches, but every time we left, I felt, thank you, I felt like I had to reprogram her <laughs> when we would leave mm. um, these spaces. Um, children's church was great, she, but when she went to the final, when we went actual service, um, I, I found myself having to, um, to correct some very things that I felt were judgmental and things that I didn't feel that um, I wanted her to grow up learning. So we spent a whole year looking for a church and the UVC card actually sat on my desk for a year and then finally I said, well, let's go check out this church. And um, the first day I got here, um, Emily gave out this little slip of paper about what are you doing in the world? It was like these little questions that you had to take with you. And my friend Erica, who is actually going through seminary here, <laughs> says, that's the perfect church for you. They give homework. So. <laughs> <laughs> there was a quiz, too. So, yeah. <laughs> it's perfect for you. Um, so 
we decided to stay because it was, um, it was intentional. The intentional relationships, the small groups, um, being with Emily actually in starting point, and Brett was in my starting point. Um, so uh, Jenny and all these wonderful people, and it just it felt like this was a place that we could stay. Um, not just the message, but also the people that were involved were really, really loving and, and giving. And, and that ended up in a life group that I am now part of that I, I always say, hey, my people, when I see them, my people, because I really feel that they are my people. This is an ex extension of, I have a wonderful family, a loving, giving family, they're supportive. Um, but this family is also very important because it reaches me in a different way. Um, so. I first started giving because I was walking through and I said something or I said, I don't know what happened, but Drew said, you're a singer. And I'm going, okay, yeah. <laughs> and at that point, there was no um, keeping me out of the praise and worship team because Drew would not have it. So, <laughs> um, so I started praise and worship team, started singing, and um, upon that, after that, kind of really, really got more involved in the community and it was Jovan who I asked one day, what was your favorite dessert? Hmm. And um, that was... Uh, peach cobbler. So <laughs> I made her a peach cobbler. And um, at that point, it wasn't called dessert ministry. It has morphed into dessert ministry. <laughs> but um, the really what it was, was just me deciding, because as a single mom, it's difficult to give money all the time. Although I do also give a monthly amount. Um, it's small. Um, I'm trying to in, in, in increase that. But at the same time, I wanted Nissa. Nissa also gives. And we give according to her money, so she knows mm -hmm. that she has this 10%, she has an allowance, and she shaves that off first, and she puts that in. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to give more because I felt that the people here were giving me so much. So um, I just, I, my goal was to reach everybody in the congregation at that time. And I think I reached almost everybody. And Ooh. I did a dessert. I, it was either their favorite dessert or an inspiration. And I made one for them, and I made enough to share at hospitality, and that's why it is now called dessert ministry. <laughs> Um, and I felt like John did, um, and then I'll get this back to Emily, but um, then Emily, we had someone on, on our SPRC, which of course is the church, like the church board for those that would kind of have that correlation. Staff Parish Relations Committee, that's what that's SPRC what it, That's what it means. <laughs> um, and I, I joined that mostly because um, I felt that it was important to me that those who shepherd us and take care of us are given the same consideration and the same respect and the same expectations of wholeness of life that we get from our employment. Um, and it was just important for me. Um, I'd heard Emily had preached a sermon about her um, surgery, her ear surgery. And she had to wait because she didn't have enough insurance to have that, that surgery. And that really hit me in a place that was very deep because here is a person who, who has fallen and taken the call of, of bringing people to this wholeness of life idea and worshiping with us and, and helping us and doing coffee time and everything else. And she had to hold off on a surgery that, you know, may have been minor or whatever, but because she wasn't, she didn't have enough. And, um, that for me was the impetus for me to serve and to make sure that those who serve us are also treated with respect mm -hmm. and love and um, equity. Now, um, 
Thank you, Vania. <laughs> uh, not everyone can, can do all the things that Vania does. Um, and that's fine, right? Because giving the most isn't exactly the point unless you're like a competitive person, right? Um, in which we, case we welcome that too. But, uh, <laughs> but, but the thing I think that's important to sort of pay attention to is that the master wasn't asking the third servant to do more than what they were capable of, right? He wasn't looking for five talents worth of return on a one talent investment. That's what a truly harsh employer would do. No, the master was asking the servant, was not asking the servant to do more with less. He just wanted his servants to do something, right? Something that suited their capacity and ability. Now, I mentioned last week that um, John Wesley, the founder of what became the Methodist movement, talked about three uses of money. Earn all you can, give all you can, and save all you can. And today we're talking about what it means to give all you can. And before I get into that, it's worth pointing out that giving all you can is not the same as giving all you have. You hear that? In church, we are often encouraged to be self-giving. I mean, if Jesus gave his life, right, the least we could do is give back. Well, sort of. I mean, it's really easy for that kind of argument, which is legitimate and has a long theological history, but it's easy for that kind of argument to slide down a slippery slope lined with guilt and exploitation. So then what does this mean, right, that we shouldn't give? <laughs> well, that doesn't seem right either. So then, what is that sweet spot between giving all that we have and refusing to give anything? What does healthy Christian giving look like? When John Wesley talked about how to think about giving, um, he, he had this guide. He would say, enough for food, enough for clothing, enough for health, enough to provide for wife, children, and servants. Like, okay. <laughs> Another way to think about this is enough for your household, right? <laughs> and then give to God what is God's. It's a good start, right? But there are some potential loopholes in there, right? We definitely need like four TVs or whatever. Um, and so human nature, right, makes us really good at finding loopholes, I think. So we have to kind of go beyond a checklist because it's easy for us to manipulate that or work that. Um, so this isn't about abiding by the rules. It's also about how we think about money, right? And even more than that, it's about how we faithfully think about money. So Wesley then offered a few questions, and he has actually, he has this, if you Google, like, um, he has 20 questions for, like, reflection that are just, like, you don't want to engage those questions because you will see yourself in a way that you don't want to. Um, but if you, if you want to go deep in your discipleship, I encourage you to Google those. Um, anyway, he offers a few questions, not only for discernment, but also for discipleship around money. So the first thing he says, asks is, am I acting according to my character, right? Am I being a steward of what ultimately belongs to God? Am I doing this in obedience to God's word? Can I offer up this action as a sacrifice to God through Jesus Christ? And finally, have I reason to believe that for this very work, I would be rewarded beyond this life? And you can take that for what you will. Um, but what I like about this question is that, or these questions, is that it's not about a fixed amount, right, that everyone is supposed to go by. In fact, you know, giving $5 might be nothing to one person, but everything to another person. This isn't about how much can I, like, get by with and still be good, right? It's about what is a faithful financial expression of the inward work that I am doing in my own spirit, in my own discipleship. What is the honest response that I can give in terms of, is this a sacrifice, really? And that's up to you to discern. 
Now, at UBC, we're not a large, wealthy church, but we give where we can, wherever we're led. So whether it's through local partnerships um, like 826 Shy and Wicker Park, or the Bridge Project, or cleaning up the Chicago Riverfront, or handing out Share the Love packets, we are trying to give as a community. Um, and we also give to this community, right? Vania mentioned the ways that she has given, but there are others among us. Uh, we heard from John who, who give through serving on the worship team or through the hospitality teams like greeting and food. Um, we have folks who help out with childcare and children's ministry, justice efforts, our care team. Not to mention our all-site teams like our vision team, our finance team, our anti-racism team, and our staff parish relations committee teams. So our pastors are also, too, um, giving where they can. Uh, Pastor Hannah, Hannah is on the board of the Community Renewal Society. Um, Pastor Christian is on the board of Art on Sedgwick. Um, Aaron is on the board of uh, Bishop Anderson House. And I have served in multiple areas of leadership uh, with the Forum for Theological Education, um, helping to shape future leaders of the church. So we're all seeking to strengthen the work of the church, both locally and nationally. And we do this not just because we feel like we're supposed to, right? We do this because we understand ourselves to be part of something bigger, part of God's work of wholeness of life for all, of making all things new, like we heard earlier. The bigger thing helps us to see beyond ourselves. It pushes us, it encourages us to give what we can. So what is that bigger thing for you? And I thought I'd ask Vania the same, same thing. Like, how do you see your participation as part of something bigger? And how has it made a difference for you, like how in your own spiritual life as well? Um, yeah, for me, it's, um, it was looking outside of the normal things. You know, sometimes we consider that all that we can give is financial, and that's not true. We give of our, of our talents. I think of so many people that have uh, learned AV because they wanted to, to, to do the AV and um, to help with that. Um, I think of Sharice, who gave a class actually on, um, on what it means to be a faithful steward of money and um, where her talents lie, and to, to make the time to do something like that. Um, even with Sarah starting the, the tables and Josh and Felix who are always open their homes. And, it, and there's so many different ways of actually contributing. And I felt that I couldn't just continue to sit and not do something. And all of the people that greeted, because we do, there's so many volunteers um, and you see the same people, and it's, it's so easy to, to come, become complacent, and you see these people that are doing these things, and they're making it work every Sunday, and you really kind of start taking advantage of that, like, well, I really don't have to greet, because somebody's going to always be sitting at that seat, and that, that's, um, I didn't want to be that, and I felt that it was, you know, so much more important for me to kind of be the example of, of what this church is and what it is for me. Um, it's important that, for me, what UVC brings is that I don't have to know the answers. I don't have to quote scripture to feel like, because I've always felt less holy than so many others because they can quote scripture and they can do this. And, um, and coming from an African-American background, grandmothers, aunties, everybody's quoting somebody's scripture. And if you don't know <laughs> somebody's how to, scripture. You don't know how to, you know, you don't know how to quote it, it's it's kind of, you know, but I've always felt less than because I didn't have that same knowledge. And it's not about that. And UBC helped me see that as a growing Christian, as long as I I do try to understand and, and be in community with those who who feel that 
life and wholeness and um, and this is important and in, in how we do it and that we do it is the most important thing. So I, that's why spiritually it has really helped me to grow as a person and, and the relationships that I've made here and the friends that I've made here are the ones that that help keep me throughout the week. When I think of them or I send a text message saying I miss somebody's face, Brandon's, um, it's just a matter of me connecting intentionally with those who, who walk this walk and stumble and fall and who need me to help pick them up because who knows a couple steps later somebody's going to have to pick me up. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. This community helped me um, through my breast cancer survival and um, they were there with me as um, I struggled through that and Nissa struggled through that and um, it's the love that I, I have for this community is, is very deep. I think that one of the things that we forget when we sign up to give in some way is that, that the giving um, does something in us as well, right? That it isn't just, oh, well, someone's got to do it, so I'm going to do it, which is, can easily turn into. Um, but when you see it through the lens of something like squad goals, right? Like how do I surround myself with people, the kind of people who also want to give and also want to be a part of something bigger, it becomes less about um, focusing on uh, the output that I'm getting, um, but realizing how much more you're getting back in all those intangible, unexpected ways, um, things that can never be measured and in fact can never really be paid back, right? But can only be sort of multiplied out. Um, I think that, you know, I think that Jesus tells this story um, as a kind of, a kind of warning, actually. Um, the second, the story um, is the second of three stories in, that are all about judgment. Like what happens when you refuse to participate in God's work. And the thing about this, this warning is that the third, servant, the third servant in the passage had no vision, right? They were disengaged from the work. They had no sense of connection to even the other two um, servants that they were colleagues with, right? Um, but even worse than that, they had this kind of poisonous understanding of who their master was. In the story, the master spits the servant into this place of darkness, which I would interpret, interpret as a place outside of Jesus' realm. And it isn't because the master doesn't care about the servant. It's because he can't afford to have people like that on his team, right? Have you ever been on a team that was healthy and vibrant and great, and then someone just started to say stuff, little toxic nuggets, right, that just deplete your energy, that take the wind out of your sails, that make it a drag to show up, right? And we, like, that's not the kind of people that make for a healthy, vibrant community. And so it isn't that Jesus is wanting to be harsh and, you know, if you're not willing to do the work, then you're out of here. But we need people who are up for the work and the spirit of what that work is about. So he's telling this story as a warning to say that there's no place for people who want to benefit from the efforts but want to have nothing to do with the work and, in fact, maybe want to pe make people feel worse while they're doing the work, Right. But because the character of Jesus is gracious and forgiving, that doesn't mean that you can't turn back and commit your, recommit yourself, right? But you have to be willing to do, your, do the work. That's what part of that recommitment is. You have to be willing to give. You have to give all that you can, right? Not all that you have, but all that you can. And Jesus is telling this story to his followers to, to help them understand that they're part of something much bigger than any of them, that their efforts, their contributions, it all mattered, 
no matter how large or how small. So what can you give? What can you give? What is the faithful contribution in time, talents, and especially today, as we're in this series about money, our finances? What can you give? Consider the questions that John Wesley raised and ask yourself, what does it mean? What does it look like for me to give all that I can to God's work at UBC? Let's pray. God, we are grateful for the gift that it is to come together, to be reminded that we're not alone in the work that you have called us to do, that we can find our squad here, we can find our crew here at UVC, and that it can be a community of people who might not know one another otherwise, but are so radically um, transformed for life by knowing one another. And so help each one of us in this space, whether we are here for the first time or have been here for a long time, to think about what does it mean to add to life here in this community, certainly, but also in the other spaces that we may find ourselves. We thank you for Vania and for the ways that not only she has given to this community, but also the ways that you have poured into her through this community. We're grateful that your math is, is the kind where one plus one equals four. And we pray that we would help be reminded of that bigger thing that we are a part of as we open ourselves to serving you in whatever way you lead. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>